With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Welcome into A to Z Sports Primetime from the Zen Sports Studios. I'm your host, Buck Rising. I'm proud, as always, to be presented to you by Zen Sports. A2ZTN is the promo code for your $1,000 no danger first wager. ZenSports.com is where you go for more information. Terms and conditions do apply. True Math Fitness in the Gulch. You know I got my workout in at True Math Fitness this morning. About 12 hours ago, me and Worth Campbell were bitching about the Titans and getting the best workout in Middle Tennessee at TrueMathFitness.com, where your first workout is free. And the law offices of Amanda J. Gentry. Amanda J. cannot protect you from bad football, but what she can protect you from is a violation of your constitutional rights. Get the best in the business at AmandaJGentry.com, where you go for more information. So, what can the Titans learn from AFC, truly AFC contending teams? Randy Howard says, uh, Buck's so done with the Titans that he's ready to go full Vikings on 104.5. That's right. Randy is a listener of the radio show, and I made that joke today. And it's not really a bad joke, uh, or it's not really a, that much of a joke. I am totally prepared to do a full three-hour Monday through Friday pivot on the radio show and just talk about Josh Dobbs and the season that he's having with the Minnesota Vikings, because that would be infinitely more interesting than what's happening with the Tennessee Titans. But then, of course, uh, you know, Titans fans uh, in Middle Tennessee would be very upset. And I still think I could get away with it because of enough of you lot like Josh Dobbs that I think I could make that pivot successfully. Um, and, you know, whether I'm done with the Titans or not, Randy, uh, the situation is I don't get to be done with the Titans. Uh, and listen, a lot of people have a lot worse work situations. Certainly, I would prefer to watch a good football team and cover a good football team than a bad football team. But uh, I have been very, very fortunate in the time that I've been here that the Titans have been a really good football franchise. And now that they're sucking, you know, this is just part of the cycle of life. So I'm not really, I'm not really sure how to handle a losing season. We're going to go through this together, it seems, uh, for the rest of this season. And we will see uh, how I how I do, particularly, because I've long maintained that I am a uh, that I'm too much of a front runner to cover losing football. Mike Grable says he doesn't want front runners. Well, I am for, unfortunately am very much a front runner, and uh, to cover losing stinky football is not something that a, a front runner is prepared to tolerate. But you know, such is life. So we'll talk about them anyway. MB says Buck Titans fans are just about done too. I don't blame you. Um, it's the product is bad. Uh, Bert and I were talking about this and uh, and got into a discussion. Well. Let me, let me uh, give you your Two Rivers Forte before we get too far down the line with this. On Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, and Twitch, as we talk about lessons that the Tennessee Titans can learn since they are not an AFC contender, uh, I, think that, uh, I think that when you look at the uh, I think that when you look at the Titans, it's a fair question to ask, what can they learn from actual contenders in the AFC? And by the way, as somebody pointed out earlier, the AFC is a very, very fluid situation right now. There's a lot of teams that are jumbled up together, like the five and five Bills and the four and five Broncos. 
Um, I think that there's a lot of this stuff that is very much week to week in this particular conference. Which teams do you trust definitively? I'm not sure. You thought, uh, I thought that the Jags were one of the best teams in football. And the 49ers summarily, after losing three games straight, smoked them at home. Brock Purdy looked just fine throwing three touchdown passes. And the Jags defense, that's been really good all year long, had nothing. Trevor Lawrence had nothing against the San Francisco 49ers. And that's one of the best teams in the AFC, full stop. So what lessons can be learned, the Tennessee Titans, from AFC contenders? And who do you consider to be the legitimate contenders in the AFC? We'll talk about it together right after I remind you that your Two Rivers Ford take is presented by Two Rivers Ford, quality American-made Ford vehicles, award-winning customer service. Two Rivers Ford in Mount Juliet or online at Two Rivers Ford. Dot com. They are going to put you in the driver's seat to make sure that you have the best car buying process possible. Two Rivers Ford in Mount Juliet, powered by Ford, driven by people. Uh, Chris, uh, Chris DeFaro says they could learn to build an offensive line around a somewhat promising young quarterback. We went through this exercise today. Now, we we talked about, we talked about uh, teams that have, have the best offensive line groups in football. Is there an AFC team that is considered to have the best offensive line group in football? Because when I think of those, I think of uh, I think of the Lions with one of the best offensive lines, if not the best offensive line in the sport. I think of the Eagles, right? NFC teams. I think of the Niners, who don't have the best offensive line, the most talented offensive line, but they do uh, have a scheme that helps their offensive line. Lewis says the Denver Broncos and the way that Detroit Aikman could not stop growing, uh, glowing rather about that growing. That's funny. Glowing about that guard Minerts, Quinn Minerts, who was at the senior bowl a couple of years ago. The dude who was most famous for having that video of him, uh, you know, going through drills with his belly, uh, uh, hanging out. Rasheed Jenkins says Dallas, Dallas hasn't been Dallas. Uh, Tyron Smith has been one of the best left tackles in football for a long time. And so is Zach Martin as far as uh, playing guard, but they are not, they are not regarded as it's been several, several years. The Colts are not that anymore in the AFC. I struggle to think of an AFC line that is thought of as top caliber. Dolphins have a bad offensive line. They're hurt uh, a lot. And they, they have, they have a more frustrating offensive line situation than even the Titans because they have poured first round draft pick after first round draft pick into the offensive line going back as long as like Jake Long right, as a former first overall pick with not a ton of success. Uh, Derek Dixon says Jalen Duncan will be the missing piece for our offensive line. I love the way he played during our senior uh, during the Senior Bowl. Derek Dickerson must have missed yesterday's show where I informed all of you that the thought process around Jalen Duncan inside the building is that he doesn't know enough plays to be able to go out there and play uh, competent or coherent football, which is why in the three snaps that he played against the Steelers, he was wandering around looking for somebody to block and could not find anybody to block, which, you know, is a symptom of perhaps playing offensive line for the Titans. But Jalen Duncan doesn't know the playbook well enough for them to trust him out there. Now, they may not have a choice because they're running out of bodies, but to uh, to indicate that uh, the player that is, you know, as, as diplomatically as I can put it, pretty far behind that he is going to be viewed as some kind of missing piece. Uh, I would not, I would not put my money on that particular situation. Maybe he improves. He's a six round draft pick. He's uh, the expectations are him uh, for him are low, but you know, the expectations for the Titans offensive line is low as well. 
Anyway, let's keep it moving. On Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, and Twitch, what lessons can the Titans learn from actual contenders? Um, one, one team that comes to mind, a couple of teams that come to mind, where it, where it relates to, and the Browns are a good example of this, and I do think that the Browns are contenders in the AFC this year if they can just get a little bit above average quarterback play from Deshaun Watson. Uh, Houston's offensive line has been sneaky good, but it's definitely not one of the top flight units, although they do have a top flight left tackle, which is making life a hell of a lot easier on C.J. Stroud. I think that uh, I think that when you look at what the uh, Titans can learn here is that if you draft good offensive linemen, and really this just comes down to Jack Conklin, and Nate Davis, because I think Nate Davis might have been, actually, I don't know if Nate Davis, in, in a year where, well, I guess, I guess I should pose it to you this way. In a year where you didn't have a left tackle in the roster and you weren't going to bring back Dennis Daly, would you rather have paid Nate Davis $10 million a year to play right guard for you? Or would you rather have paid Andre Dillard $10 million a year to come play left tackle for you? Because basically about the salary that Andre Dillard got is what Nate Davis is making in Chicago. And that's kind of the way that I would pose the cost-benefit analysis to you. If you think you can get a left tackle for $10 million, left tackle is definitely a more valuable position than right guard. But, um, you know, it's tough to draft competent offensive linemen like Conklin, like Nate Davis, and then just let them walk, right? The best offensive linemen don't make it to free agency. And even the guys who are not that great, because there's not a lot of good offensive linemen around, right? Think about the Philadelphia Eagles, and I brought this up on the radio show today. The Philadelphia Eagles were not willing to trade away Andre Dillard last year. When the Phil- nobody knew more than the Philadelphia Eagles about what Andre Dillard could, or more importantly, could not do. And yet still, they were unwilling to move Andre Dillard away at the trade deadline because the Eagles wanted to make a Super Bowl run. And offensive line depth is impossible to have. So at that point, they're looking around and saying, well, is Andre Dillard worth, is is getting Andre Dillard out of here for a future fourth, fifth round pick worth worth it to us if, uh, what's the uh, what's the name of the, the former rugby player that plays? Mylotta, Mylotta, Jordan Mylotta, I think is the left tackle for the Philadelphia Eagles. If Mylotta goes down and we need a left tackle to get us through the Super Bowl run, Maybe Andre Dillard's not that guy, but at least he's been here. He knows the plays. We could plug him in and try and roll it the, as best we can. That That is kind of where, you know, the Titans have aired in years past because John Robinson drafted Jack Conklin, let Jack Conklin walk. Now, at the time, they had to pay Ryan Tannehill and they had to pay Derrick Henry. And I think everybody, even with results in hand about Ryan Tannehill, would have looked at the quarterback position and said, well, pay Ryan Tannehill. We can figure out the right tackle. And they never figured out the right tackle, right? Easier to figure out the right tackle, theoretically, than it is the quarterback position. At the time, you had a you had a viable solution at quarterback. So when they let Jack Conklin walk, you had no idea that they would be completely inept in 2020 at continuing to try and find offensive linemen. And all they did was draft bad offensive linemen, right? Because Isaiah Wilson was in the 2020 draft, bust. Dylan Radens was the second round pick in 2021, right now a bust. Um, they, uh, they let Saffold go. Uh, for, as a cost-saving measure to go to Buffalo. Roger Saffold was pretty healthy there the entire year. In fact, health has been a, a thing for Titans, for former Titans players who have gone on to play elsewhere. Zach Cunningham is healthy in Philadelphia. 
A.J. Brown is healthy in Philadelphia. Uh, Nate Davis has been on and off with the Bears. I think he's had some pretty considerable struggles. Um, you know, there's a couple of different ways that uh, that this team that this team has moved on from offensive linemen who may have been in their best interest to keep. David Long uh, missed some time at the start of the year. I think that was earlier in like preseason and training camp with the uh, Miami Dolphins, but David Long has definitely been a good player for the Miami Dolphins defense this year. Uh, MB says, Buck, remember, it's really about the coaching. Remember when what Munchak used to do with subpar offensive linemen? Same with Skarnecchia in New England. Say, uh, uh, yes, that that is, that is it's, it's not completely about, it's not totally about the coaching, but I will acknowledge that some systems are better equipped to manage inferior offensive line. They have to be. There's so many bad offensive linemen all around the league. There's 10 teams probably of 32 that feel good about their offensive line group. And that's just for this year, right? Uh, we can get into this more here in just a second, right after I remind you that the primetime show is presented by the law offices of Amanda J. Gentry, wherever justice demands Amanda J. and her team have you covered. Whether you are somebody who feels like your constitutional rights are being violated, whether you are just unfamiliar with what all of your constitutional rights do entail and feel like you are in danger of having them violated. AmandaJGentry.com is where you go for the best and most passionate legal team out there when it comes to defending you. Wherever justice demands, Amanda J and her team have you covered. Go to AmandaJGentry.com for more information today. So uh, Jack says Vrabel had a hard on against Nate Davis. I don't think that was so. Mike, Mike played him as a rookie. Mike never plays rookies and Jamil Davis or Jamil Davis. No, Jamil Douglas uh, at the time was so bad that they had no choice, but to play a rookie. Um, but they basically, they Skaronsky is, is one of the few guys who's gone in as a rookie immediately for this football team and played on the offensive line in recent memory. But Nate Davis, it took, it, it didn't, I mean, Mike didn't have a hard on against Nate Davis, Mike put Nate Davis in four games into the 2019 season. Nate Davis was a big part them making that move and putting Nate Davis in when they did and giving Nate time to grow in that system and, you know, be a very proficient run blocker, not the best pass blocker in the world, but a very proficient run blocker um, was something that uh, was something that allowed them to have the kind of run with Derrick Henry that they did in that 2019 playoffs. Um, they knew Ben Jones wasn't coming back or Lawan or Davis self-inflicted wounds, Jack adds. And yeah, they listen, I, I legitimately think they tried this off season. They tried to do a variety of different things and they failed. They failed. They tried to put to get together a, a competitive roster this year and they failed. And now, you know, the, the rot that is set in with the offensive line group has taken hold. And it's developed over a variety of years. It's not just one offseason where all this went to shit. This is this is the product of basically f the last three drafts of John Robinson's tenure, tenors, tenure, tenure. So we have done four drafts since Jack Conklin wasn't retained here. And three of those drafts were John Robinson. This most recent one obviously ran Carthon. The last three John Robinson drafts are what you are now paying the price for. Uh, and so this is a, uh, this is a situation where they, you know, you, you've just, you've let it snowball over the course of time. And now it's really hitting you in the face. Uh, Rasheed Jenkins says Ben would have come back healthy. Ben was, is just now medically cleared. So no, Ben would have not come back healthy. Ben, Ben Jones was never going to be a viable option to continue here 
Ben uh, had plenty of stuff that he had to get corrected and multiple surgeries this offseason. Ben is just now available. And Ben is probably going to sign with a contending team. And, you know, I hope for his sake, it's uh, a team where he can be a depth player as opposed to going in there and starting. But I hope I want I want to see Ben get a ring out of it somewhere. So I hope I hope the Philadelphia Eagles who are always smart about acquiring offensive line depth. I hope the Philadelphia Eagles really take a look at Ben Jones now that he's medically cleared to get back out there and get after it. Um, so what can they learn from contenders? Well, keep the offensive linemen, the ones that you hit on, because they're so few and far between. That's the biggest lesson. The second one, the Baltimore Ravens are a good example of this, and Burt brought brought it up earlier on our uh, pre-show call, and I might make Burt come on here and explain it for himself at this point, right after I remind you that A to Z Sports Primetime is made possible by Zen Sports. Promo code ATOZTN will get you in on all the action with your $1,000 no danger first wager. ATOZTN in the Zen Sports app. Whether it's football, basketball, hockey, you got it. Zen Sports has a great offer for you to get involved in. Up to $1,000 on that first wager without the danger of losing that cash. Plug in that promo code. Terms and conditions do apply. Gambling problem? Call the Tennessee Red Line 1-800-889-9789. So, Robert uh, made a good point about the Ravens and what the Titans can learn from them as legitimate Super Bowl contenders in this season. Instead of trying to regurgitate Bert's words back to you, I will have Bert explain it for himself. What are you doing? Uh, putting you on camera shirtless because it's one of my favorite things to do. I re- don't re- I'm basically running an OnlyFans grift here. I should start making people donate for shirtless appearances by Bert. Don't you know this is when I play Call of Duty? Like I'm over here trying to do my best Kyler Murray impression, and you're trying to get me out of that. Either yeah. way, uh, I just died in the middle of a kill streak for you. I, I brought the Ravens up as something that the Titans could take a, a number for them because they, they went away from what was what was comfortable with Greg Roman, right? So they had Greg Roman, uh, and they were running a very comfortable offense, something where they kept the ball away, they suffocated the clock, and it's what was comfortable to them. But they outgrew that system. Uh, so they went to a, a guy, Todd Munkin, who had been at Georgia. They they spread the ball a little bit more. They went out and bought free agents that that complemented that. Nelson Aguilar brought in Odell Beckham. They drafted Zay Flowers. And I think something that the Titans could maybe look to to, to get away from the, the power run situation where you're not abandoning it, but you're kind of expanding on it. What is the, the evolution of your offense going to be? Something that could help them in the offseason. Well, but Bert, so just to push back there, because is that not what they did? They basically reconfigured this coaching staff to fit a new system. They went away from the thing that was comfortable because the thing that's most comfortable is running Derrick Henry 30 times a game. That is the thing that they have been criticized the most for. So if I present it to you that way, am I am I incorrect in thinking that they've tried that but have been unsuccessful? Uh, that's tough to say. That's tough to say because I mean I think they have the they're in the position to do that. It's just their willingness to do that. Uh, and and your how much does your offensive line allow you to do that? You know what I mean. And I, earlier you were talking about the AFC top offensive lines. The Ravens are kind of the opposite of that. You know what I mean? Where they they two of their offensive linemen that start for them are people they have drafted. They went out and signed Morgan Moses, who was a third round pick for the Commanders. They went and uh, added Kevin Zeitler through a trade. He was a first-round pick for the Bengals. So sometimes those guys do become available. You just have to be in the position to uh, take them on your team. But Moses and, and Zeitler, like, those were those are more like 
cogs as opposed to foundational pieces of an offensive line unit. Like they have, they have put together a Titans fans are looking for something that's stable over a period of time. And what the Ravens have done successfully because they've had, because out of necessity, right? The Ravens are basically the Titans with the, the, the rate of injuries that they have had. Uh, the Ravens have just been able to navigate the situation far better than the Titans have, have done. And where guys like Ronnie Stanley, who, I mean, since he's played, he, since he got that contract, Bert, how many, how many games has he actually played? Ronnie Stanley is a starting left tackle. He, he's missed a lot of games uh, after he got paid. And, and the injuries weren't necessarily his fault. It's situations sure. where he got rolled up on. I, I say he is the expert at getting rolled up on because every time he gets hurt, it's because uh, a play has extended into his legs. But still, when he plays, even when he gives 70%, he, he's one of the top players at the position just because of, of the, the lack of depth at the position. You know what I mean? Even a 70% Ronnie Stanley is better than than probably 75% of the league. Okay. So, I mean, that's that's their Taylor Lewan, right? Like, that's basically – it's it's a pretty it's a, peri- a pretty mirrored situation. The, the Ravens just have had – and and less, less in, in recent memory, but the Ravens have always done well to supplement their own talent while not having to pay, having other teams take the expensive second contracts off their hands and still finding ways to piece things together. All right, back to your call of duty. Well done by you. See ya. That is Robert Walsh for an extra appearance on a primetime week. So uh, as we talk about lessons that the Titans can learn from AFC contenders, where do the Titans rank among disappointing AFC teams? There's a couple of, uh, there's a couple of things that I think we should get into. On Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, and on Twitch, uh, Chip Van Tree says, "I see one viewer. Am I the only one?" No, I don't know what's going on with Facebook tonight. Apparently, the numbers are a bit wonky. Um, but uh, no, you are not the only one on uh, on Facebook tonight, Chip. It's uh, I see a hundred people watching with us live right now across the uh, the two platforms where we are most streaming. Uh, or across the three platforms where we are most streaming, there are. I guess the Facebook numbers are jacked up because Joe is there, Beverly is there, TJ is there. There's a variety of you on Facebook. I think something's going on with the Facebook situation tonight. Either way, it's all good. We'll continue on with the show. Um, so now that we uh, now that we have talked about lessons that the Titans can learn, where do the Titans rank among most disappointing teams in the AFC? Because there were a couple of teams last night that were playing on Monday Night Football that I think belong in this discussion, and we'll certainly talk about it together right after I remind you that the primetime show is made possible by True Math Fitness in the Gulch. Go to truemathfitness.com. Your first workout is free, whether it's personal training, group fitness classes, or a membership to use their facility, their world-class facility, downtown Nashville in the Gulch. As you like, TrueMav is your spot. Go to TrueMav. Get the best experience out there. Get the best workout in Middle Tennessee and see the results for yourself. A new way to work out for the best version of you that's TrueMavFitness.com. Love the folks at TrueMav. They do such a great job. And Worth uh, Campbell, the head trainer and owner there, is the uh, is about as big a Titans fan as you'll find. So you can commiserate there with Worth as you improve your physical fitness. Uh, who's the most disappointing team in the AFC right now? Uh, and where do the Titans rank among them? Uh, Lawrence Monet says top four, dis- most disappointing for sure. Uh, I'd say the Bills and the Patriots are the only ones below the Titans as the most disappointing. Um, Bottom eight, says James Ludenford, as far as level of disappointment around the Titans. 
the Titans are the most disappointing team in the AFC, according to Chosen and Leo, uh, or at least Leo saying the Titans the most disappointed, if not the most disappointing. So um, here's what I'll say. I objectively don't think the Titans are a disappointment. I don't. I think that they were due for a crash, whether it was this year, whether it looked like it did last year, or whether this, you know, now confluence of two seasons or or of ineptitude over the course of two seasons uh, is is what this looks like. I think they were due. And a lot of people were praying, uh, not praying, but were speaking about how lowly the Titans were likely to be this year. And we're basically spot on. This is not a functioning NFL football team, and the offensive line group is why. And I think everybody that looked at this knew this coming in and said, you know, if they're to have any chance at all as a team, that offensive line has to be just average. They're not. They're worse than they were in 2022. Uh, Joe Edwards says, if we kept A.J. Brown, we wouldn't have been, uh, what, disappointing? No, I mean... I. A.J. Brown does not fix your offensive line situation. Imagine having A.J. Brown for $25 million a year and not being able to get him the ball. Like, that's for, for at some point, you know, Titans, there's going to be a contingent of Titans fans that are never able to let go of the A.J. Brown thing. And I don't blame you. That shit stinks. It's, I, I'm, I miss covering, you know, a top flight wide receiver. I miss watching a top flight wide receiver. I can't imagine how you guys feel uh, having, you know, an actual rooting interest in the football team. <clears throat> but, Imagine paying A.J. Brown $25 million a year the way that the Eagles did with the best offensive line in football with a quarterback who can stand behind that protection and deliver the ball to him. But you don't have that offensive line in Philadelphia. Uh, If you paid A.J. Brown and trotted out the offensive line group that you have right now, all it would be is a bunch of incompletions, the quarterback taking a bunch of hits, and A.J. Brown bitching about it afterwards. Like This would have become an immediately, immediately, immediately toxic situation had that come to pass. So uh, I think that, uh, you know, it's kind of like Hopkins. You have Hopkins and Hopkins, while he's not AJ, or at least not at the level that AJ is right now in, in, in 2023, you have Hopkins and you can't get him the ball because you can't hold up in protection. And not all these reads are, are focused on Hopkins the way you might think they need to be, but there's a lot of different things. Uh, there's a lot of different things that have conspired to your, to your downfall at this point. So I don't, I, to be honest, I don't think the Titans are a disappointment. I thought the Titans were, were due for, for a down, for a down bad spot. And, you know, admittedly, I did not think it would last as long as it has, where it's now carried over into two seasons, um, where the Titans started seven and three last year and finished seven and 10. I think, I think seven wins on this season would be, would be a bit of a remarkable feat. Um, it's tough, you know, I don't do record predictions or, or game picks or anything like that because I think they're a waste of time. But, you know, I think even the most optimistic among you would have a have a hard time finding four wins on this Titans team schedule just to kind of go through it quickly. Uh, and before we do, I'll remind you that the primetime show is made possible by the uh, Ashton Real Estate Group of REMAX Advantage. Go to GaryAshton.com and get your dream address. Without the stress, the Intel edge you need to succeed can be found with the official real estate agent of the Nashville Predators at GaryAshton.com. So, uh, on the Titans' schedule, remaining schedule with eight games left to play, do you think that they can win 
half of the games that they have remaining down at three and six and fourth place in the AFC South. So at the Jags, we know that they don't win on the road and the Jags are just coming off an embarrassment at home. So they'll be looking for vengeance. We've got the Panthers and Colts back-to-back home games over the course of the falling two weeks. Titans have played better at home. Uh, Panthers are the worst team in football. Colts are not, but you do have home field advantage there. On the road at the Dolphins, probably a loss. Hosting the Texans, probably a loss. Hosting the Seahawks, probably a loss. At the Texans, probably a loss. And I I would think that the Texans and Jags are both totally capable of sweeping this Titans team uh, this year. It's tough for me to find, like, not, you know, I, I know I just did game predictions with you after telling you that I don't do game predictions, but it's really hard for me to see four wins on that schedule. So, you know, I, I thought that you could go seven and 10 again this year and maybe it feel different. Um, uh, MB says probably a loss in Miami. That's funny. I mean, I, I'm just trying to be realistic. There's foot, weird shit happens in football all the time and it would be the most Titan shit ever to go to Jacksonville this weekend and win. I don't think that that's, you know, I don't think that this particular team is capable of that. Tighten up. Tony says tank, please. Uh, <clears throat> let's, and maybe I just have to say this every show until the re- end of the season because there's always going to be somebody who asks for it, even though I think it's stupid and I think that we, uh, you know, that we've su- sufficiently addressed it. Football teams don't tank, all right? Football teams that tank get fined. Dolphins tried to tank. The Dolphins owner tried to tank. The coach fought back on them. Now they're embroiled in a lawsuit. Teams don't tank, all right? That's It's not a thing in the NFL. And if it is, it's snuffed out very quickly. Um, secondly, your team doesn't need to tank. They're coming by their ineptitude very honestly, it's a very honestly bad football team. So, you know, to imply that they would go out of their way to further lose games is, you know, ignoring the current situation of the Titans, which is that they don't need any help to lose games. They're doing it just fine on their own. Thirdly, um, it's like <clears throat> it's like those of you who would ask for Peter Skaronsky to be moved to left tackle. They haven't even asked. They're not going to do it. Doesn't mean you can't bitch about it anytime you want to. Doesn't mean you can't ask me questions about it on primetime. <clears throat> I'll answer them the same way every time. They're not going to do it. It's it's kind of like uh, it's Nick Saban and, and that, that what was it, a halftime interview with uh, Maria Taylor where she's asking him about the status of the quarterback situation with Jalen Hurts and Tua Tonga-Valoa. And Saban, you know, starts to answer the questions, slowly gets more frustrated, and then ends it with, I'm not going to tell you, so quit asking. Um, they're not going to do it. You can keep asking, but they're not going to do it, okay? Like, that's that's just where we are. So if you want to bring it up just for the sake of bringing it up, you can. Your football team is not tanking. Your football team is not moving Peter Skronsky to left tackle uh, unless there is just, like, the nuclear option with this offensive line. And even then, I think they'd be loath to do it. Anyway, so we move on. I'm sure I'll have to remind somebody of that tomorrow on the radio show, the primetime show, the, the install of the podcast at some point. God knows. Um, Hey Buck, do you think Skaronsky would be better at left tackle than Dillard? Sure. I think, I think there's, I mean, Andre Dillard is the worst left tackle in football this year. Yes. I think that Peter Skaronsky would be better at left tackle than Dillard. And also the coaching staff isn't moving him. So like, I'm not, I'm not going to do, I'm not going to do the thing where I bang my head against the wall if they're just not going to do it. Like I, 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 I get Jay where your point is headed. I don't, you know, I'm I'm okay with them leaving him inside. I don't think that they need to move two things to try and fix one thing. But yes, I would acknowledge that he's probably going to be a better left tackle than Andre Dillard. 
should they play him at left tackle? They're not going to play him at left tackle, so it doesn't even enter my mind. Now, you can say that that's wrong. You can say, why don't you... Uh, why don't you yell at Mike Vrabel? It's not my job to yell at Mike Vrabel. Don't it's you know my I have no investment in whether they do it or not. My my responsibility is to ask them the questions, for them to answer the questions as they want to. If they don't have success, then we criticize them for it. But you know it makes no difference to me whether they actually do the thing that I think makes more sense or not. Marco says, uh, "Why do you? Why looks like you are sitting sideways? It's because I am. I'm literally turned sideways in my chair. Why my sitting position?" Matters to you. Would you rather me face this way? I've got my legs. I'm I'm sitting. I'm casual. All right. I'm sitting back in my chair. I got my legs crossed, sitting at my desk in the office. Do I have to sit at attention and 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 stand this way, or am I going to be like like your left tackle and slowly list to my left as people run by me, waddle by me? Um, I uh, I think that uh, like I said, I'm I'm good with Skaronsky at left guard. If you wanna, if you wanna rob, what what's the 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 phrase that your grandparents would use? If you wanna rob Peter to pay Paul, great. Then you're bad at two positions because now he's got to learn left tackle over again. So, um, I mean, I don't know. <laughs> the like, we got to talk about this football team one way or the other, and <clears throat> I I hate to I I hate to come to these shows with no viable solution for you, but they don't have a viable solution. Like. Putting Peter Skaronsky at left tackle does not fix their offensive line. It doesn't fix their offensive line. So, you know, good luck and God bless, and we'll find out what they do in the offseason with the offensive line because that's what it is. All right, uh, let's keep it moving on Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, and Twitch. Actually, we've satisfied all of the uh, all of the uh, uh, sponsors for the evening. I will tell you that I think I don't think the Titans are a disappointment. I think that the Titans were about were probably going to be a, a, a bad football team this year. This bad, I certainly couldn't have anticipated, but like I said, they were due. Most, the most disappointing uh, team in football in the AFC this year is the Bills. That was a man who is choosing his words very carefully at the podium less than 24 hours later as we welcome in our Brian Baldy or Kane Dorsey fired by Sean McDermott. Joe Brady now takes over as the interim OC. Baldy, you knew that there was frustration. They had too many turnovers. They were, as I mentioned earlier, statistically Pretty efficient offense when they weren't giving the football away. What do you make of this move at this time for Buffalo? Well, I feel like, you know, heads rolled because somebody's got to be the scapegoat here. Like, they just can't keep going and turn the ball over. And James Cook gets the ball ripped out of his hands on the first play by Jaquan McMillan. It's no way to start a game. Uh, Gabriel Davis has the ball go right through his hands, intercepted by Justin Simmons. I mean, you can't throw it any better than he did on that play and you see the interception. I know Judy talked about this earlier, but I feel like it's a full guy. I thought, like, last night, Buffalo ran the ball better than they run it at any point in time this year. They didn't run it well last week in Cincinnati. They found some runs last night that James Cook and Latavius Murray were really good at. I thought they protected Josh Allen really, really good. But these mistakes really aren't the, the, the mistakes of an offensive coordinator. They, they're just not. You can say the fourth to one play that they had, which really – malfunction was on the offense coordinator, but I feel like the mistakes that are being made are on the players, not on the coordinator. When I was watching it last night, uh, the thing that kept coming into my head was, does this team practice? It looked like a lack of attention to detail, right? Like, again, a botched handoff. The ball goes through your hand. Again, you can't get the, you know, the 12th men off the field in time for the field goal attempt. It's the details. It feels like this team has not been locked in 
this season. And actually, it was that way at the end of last season, and we all chalked it up to the emotional upheaval of DeMar Hamlin. But it has been that way this season, too, that they are just not focused. Um, and their season is, is slipping away. When you look at their schedule, it's, uh, it's going to be hard for them not only to make the playoffs, it might be hard for them to get to 500 this season. Yeah, and, and in comes Joe Brady, who uh, got the job with the Carolina Panthers as offensive coordinator uh, after the job that he did at LSU when he was had a loaded offense right there. Did not go as according to plan uh, in Carolina. So now this is a big spot for Joe Brady, who went there in Buffalo as kind of a career reset. You figured Ken Dorsey, possibly a head coach at some time in the near future, then he can get elevated, kind of follow that path to redemption for him. Well, it's a certainly a different circumstance than a lot of folks thought because Ken Dorsey wants a head coaching candidate, now loses his offensive coordinator job, and Joe Brady uh, thrust into the spotlight once again. Let's see how he does. Bills are most are the most disappointing team in the AFC this year, uh, full stop. And that's kind of where things sit. Uh, Demetrius Conwell says, uh, why is the national media so afraid of calling out Bills quarterback Josh Allen for his reckless play? Doesn't he lead the NFL in turnovers? Who is all I saw today on television was people dragging Josh Allen for being reckless with the football. Josh Allen's entire career has been how reckless he is. Hell beyond, beyond the one season where they had that, that, that duel with the, with the chiefs and what was it? The, it wasn't the conference championship. I don't think Josh Allen has been to a conference championship game. Um, so that must've been the divisional round against the chiefs where they were just going back and forth, back and forth, no defense whatsoever. Like beyond that year, Josh Allen has been pretty heavily criticized as being turnover prone and reckless. And when he plays, you know, sound fundamentally and more safe football, they win games and they roll. Um, he's, he's been, you know, he's been closer to the first version of Josh Allen. I remember coming into the league this year than he has in the past couple of years. I, there's been plenty of criticism for Josh Allen. Um, this season, certainly he's been, this is as bad as it's been is this season. The last couple of years, I think Josh Allen's been okay. But I mean, hell, when he came into the league, you had people watching him and saying, well, that guy can't play NFL quarterback. And obviously he's one of the, he's, Josh Allen is the most physically talented quarterback in professional football, like athletically, physically, skill set wise. Now he, he, he hasn't put it all together as well as Mahomes has, for example, but Josh Allen is more physically gifted than, than is Patrick Mahomes. The problem is he's a bit of a wild card and yeah, he's, I think there's, I, I don't think that there is any lack of criticism for Josh Allen as reckless. In fact, I think that's been the vast majority of his career. Anyway, it's going to do it for us tonight on the primetime show. Have a great rest of your evening. We will uh, be back at it on the radio show tomorrow. Mike Vrabel will be at the podium. We'll put it to a poll whether you want to hear from Mike Vrabel at the podium tomorrow on the radio show or not. I'd be curious to see the results. But certainly, I'm going to Jacksonville this weekend where the Titans have a chance to win a football game or not. And we will treat it as if it is a, game, a normal game week, even though this team seems to be on life support. Uh, have a great rest of your evening, and I will talk to you tomorrow at 10 a.m. on 104.5 The Zone.